Bean Shepherd, author, raconteur, and commentator of the contemporary scene. Here's Gene. Concludes tonight's salute to Philip Roth. Mr. Shepard, what an elegant letter. Now, there is a letter. This man writes a letter the way a letter should be written. It looks like an ancient scroll. Isn't that magnificent handwriting? Dear Mr. Shepard, a few nights ago, I heard you cop spiel on your show. It really turned me on. If this is not a put-on... What do you mean, a put-on? Do you know that I've devoted a good 90% of my life to working and perfecting this instrument. And, it, and the, anybody who's heard it knows that this is not something I just picked up ten minutes ago. Right, Skip? So let's not have any of this talk. If this is not a put-on, which I am 99% positive it isn't, you're right, Bippy, then it opens up fabulous possibilities for serious or semi-serious music. How do you like that for a put-down? Opens up possibilities for serious music. <laughs> Ninety percent of my life is down the drain working on this musical instrument, my head. And he says it opens up possibilities for serious music. What the hell does he think I've been? Of course. With an amplifier attached to the head area, a virtuoso kopfspieler could perform a concerto with an orchestra. Yes, friend. You have just come to the realization, what do you think I do? He says, Shep, this is fantastic. Composers have been experimenting with all sorts of artificial sounds, uh, moog tape and all that, and screeches for years. I think the musical world is ready for a natural human sound, like the one produced by a genuine human skull. Friend, it has to be a talented human skull. That's like describing a Stradivarius violin as a nice chunk of wood. It ain't. There's a little more than that. A back-to-man movement, away from mechanization. You've been looking for a sound for the 70s. I think this is it. I have a question for you. In three parts, you may choose one or all parts. What is your range? I have a range of about two and a half octaves, in case you're interested, friend. Two, can you play a chromatic scale on your head? Yes, I can play a chromatic scale under proper recording techniques, right? Absolutely. Can you play chords? Yes, again, I repeat, I can. A piece of information for you. Skulls have been used over the centuries in primitive societies as percussive instruments, especially in New Guinea. May the bluebird of happiness never bombard you. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to show you some serious music played on the head now. Now, up to this time, I've been just, you know, I, I have to lead you by the hand. I, I'm sorry if I become patronizing tonight. 
Uh, and it's not it's not because there's any particular lack of knowledge in your part, and except I must say that Kopfspielen is a very specialized study, and only a few of us have devoted any time to it. So I assume that most of you are babes in the woods in this field. I don't care how hip you may, Ph.D. and the economics and all. What do you know all about Kopfspielen? Nothing. All right. All right. And uh, I, for that reason, I'm going to have to lead you through the, you know, the woods, uh, gradually. And so I've been playing around with things like the Sheik of Araby and all that, so that you uh, will not be too confused as to the possibilities and the complexity of the instrument that I play. Tonight, however, I felt that the time is to take the gloves off. Right in the teeth. You're going to get the full bippy tonight. So, with further ado, I will g I'll tell you what. When I want the chamber, skip. This hand will go up. When I don't want the chamber, this hand will go up. So watch and follow my cues. I'm telling my conductor how I wish to play this concerto, friends. Because you see, I'm a true electronic man. Uh, all of my sounds, the communications I make, are based on the electronic media, one way or another, right? Okay, right. All right, now, here we go. Ein, try, try, hit it. Thank you very much, Keith. I, um, I hope you're aware of that. I, I just... Uh, I, I'm very serious. I want you to know that this is a very rare art form that you've just witnessed and listened to. <laughs> and it ain't to be confused with tap dancing. <laughs> Keith was gassed. <laughs> now, how do you like that? Now, now, that's something I want to tell you that is absolutely the first time that anything like this has ever been heard in American radio. And I'm very serious about it. And you will concede that it does have musical validity. Now, uh, 
In case you're curious, that, uh, that was a Kopfspielen concerto written by a Russian composer. And it uh, wouldn't matter. His name is probably unknown to you. However, uh, uh, this is a... <laughs> you know, I hate to do this to everybody sitting out there confused now all of a sudden, you know, because up to this point they've been laughing. <laughs> and I'm very serious. I would like to... If there's any composer, if you know any composer around, I would like to have somebody write a concerto for head. And uh, if you are a composer out there, uh, if, or if you know a composer, uh, listen to the sound, and then after you hear this sound, it's, a, it's got about a two-and-a-half uh, octave range, roughly. Now, that's the extreme range of it. That's a train head. The average person has about, about I'd say, about a two-note range, <laughs> if that. And he can't sustain it for more than five notes going. Now, would you please uh, reset? I will give you an example. Please play. Uh, uh, you want to hear a little more of that? You liked that, didn't you? All right, I will play. Uh, now, this is written. This is, a, this is a written piece of music. This is not phony business. And I will show you how the head, in actual performance, again works in connection with a large symphony orchestra. Unfortunately, I have to use a recorded orchestra here. How, however, had this been live, you can imagine the tremendous dynamics and the rapport and the charismatic effect upon an audience gathered in white tie and tails. All right, uh, Mr. Bernstein, would you please? Darn right, it's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Now, that's, that's a... Phew. It's very, very uh, exhausting, I might add. No, it's not... Again, I must say this to you, for those of you who uh, are listening to this probably for the first time. It is not exhausting in the physical sense. It's exhausting in the concentration sense. To, to talk, for example, to talk about that in connection with the show that I do here every night. The most difficult part of doing anything uh, in the way of a solitary performance, a monologist, incidentally, a man who is doing a concerto performance is a solitary performer. But uh, if you're playing uh, 
uh, a piano concerto, for example, you're really you're really performing uh, solitarily. You're you're all by yourself, involved in this fantastic thing, and the orchestra is giving a counterpoint, and a, and they're around you, and they're running about you, and they're surrounding you. But it's you that's performing as a solitary individual. Well, the most difficult part of doing my show, and this confuses a lot of people who uh, probably have listened for some time, is the intense concentration that it requires for a long time, several hours before the show, and it takes me several hours afterwards to, to uh, come out of that concentration. It's, a, it's an intense thing. Now, in, in, uh, and it's very exhausting. Concentration is extremely exhausting because, you know, I think the average person in his life really is called upon to concentrate, actually really concentrate. And he's got a job where he can sit around and he talks to his buddies and he, he goes out for coffee and he gets on the phone and talks to Fred and he plays with paper clips and he, uh, you know, he fools around and makes a little airplane out of the memorandum blanks and, and pretends like he's working. And then uh, this is the average job. It really is the average job. And so maybe out of the whole day, he may concentrate a couple of minutes, actually, and then even then yell about that. If he could get the union to do away with that, they'd do away with that. But nevertheless, uh, a performer can't do that, see? So he has to concentrate intensely. There's no way to get away. There's just no way to get out of it. And uh, especially if you're a solo performer. Now, if you're performing, uh, let's say, Johnny Carson, he doesn't really need this because he can be carried along by his guests who are concentrating. Many of them have got a whole bit they're working on, you know. And Johnny just says, oh, uh, gee, uh, uh, Milt, uh, uh, what was that that you said the other night about uh, Red Skelton and the Ding Dongs? With that, Red goes or, or Milt goes into his bit, and Johnny laughs, and that's about the end of it. So, a, but a solo performer is in another, absolutely another category. This is another thing too, that is the prime difference between a professional athlete and a non-pro: concentration. Uh, when, when, uh, for example, when Roger Maris was hitting, when he was uh, really at his peak years, great professional, Roger Maris would sit in the dugout without, uh, absolutely incommunicado. He's not putting anybody on. He was incommunicado, and this is how he got a reputation of being a bad guy. He didn't sit around and chew the fat with Leonard Coppett, you know. Or, and then he would, he would sit there and he would watch the pitchers out there warm up with every move, of everything they did. He was a fantastic environment. So when the, when the time of the ball game came out, when it came out like he was shot out of a gun, whap, he's out on the field, see? And that was concentration. Now, a lot of ball players have it, and many don't. And uh, you, you, uh, you wind up with that problem. Uh, you, you know, learning to concentrate is probably the hardest thing of all the performing problems. Did you ever hear about this talked about at all, much? Well, it's mentioned once in a while, but I don't think people really recognize what it is. Would you please put on that other side that, that I gave you? I'll, I'll give you another type of Kopfspielen. You like that serious Kopfspielen, didn't you? Okay. Now, give me, give me that other... you have that other one now? Now, here is another way of, of, of preparing to play the cop. Now, you notice, uh, you notice now what I'm doing. I'm, I'm getting my hands in... in uh, in shape now. Uh, you can't see me on the radio, of course, but I am. And I'm getting my wrists ready, see, because this, this requires tremendous timing, concentration, and wrist action. It's almost all wrist action. It's like golfing. You ever watched a golfer, a great golfer play, and it just looks like he's hitting the ball, which is ultimately what he's doing. However, 
it's the way he hits the ball <laughs> that makes the difference between, say, a uh, uh, a Gary player, you know, an old Dildock who's out there playing, you know, hacking his way around uh, the Westchester Country Club. It takes him 17 hours, you know, to, to hack his way through the brush. So what's the difference? Well, concentration, knowing what you're doing, and the player doesn't hit a ball accidentally. Many of us will get off a good shot accidentally. Can't even tell how that we did it, you know. But uh, a guy like Arnold Palmer, he knows exactly why he hit a good shot and why he hit a bad shot. And so that's a pro. He knows exactly what he's doing. Now, uh, it, a lot of it uh, is not seen by the public. They don't see that, uh, you know, Arnold Palmer may spend three, four, five hours a day practicing on just one part of his swing, one part of the swing, <laughs> one part. He's practicing, let's say, uh, the part of the swing, the back swing on a drive at the point just before the, dri the driver hits the apex of the swing. He's, he's got a tiny hitch in that part up there, so he's working on it hour after hour after hour until finally he corrects it. And so it is with Kopfspielen. I have spent weeks working on one phrase, believe it or not, even unbeknownst to some of my best friends, you don't tell people about the things you're really serious about. Now, would you please? Ein, schwein, drei. That's an entirely different. <laughs> you notice how subtle it is? Yeah. I shouldn't be doing this tonight. I mean, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm sure I'm boring 90% of you out there. Oh, uh, get over that and tell us about the time when you was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, uh, now I'm going to do you do something else for you here. Again, showing uh, a concentration. No, no echo on this. Because this is a, this is a, uh, I'm going to do something. Give me the same cut now. Would you please give me the same cut again? I'm going to show you something that, uh, again, is part of that, I suppose you can say, the human sound in uh, music. It's uh, slowly slipped out. And I think that we're about, and I, I agree with this letter writer, we're about to see a, I suspect, a great revolution of uh, rejection. I think that people are going to start rejecting giant 250-watt amplifiers as a, a substitution for music. I think people are going to start rejecting all kinds of moogs and mogs and mogs and moogs. <laughs> and and uh, eventually, uh, you're going to see rise people who are going to realize that ultimately music is something that comes out of people. And no matter where you slice it, music is a people thing. It is not a machine thing. Now, you can attach machines to people and produce maybe louder, more dynamic music, but ultimately, music is out of people. 
And uh, just like tragedy and heroism, this is a people thing. And uh, there it is. And so uh, I'm going to show you another type of uh, uh, human-type sound. And uh, again, it's in some ways related to Kopfspielen, but not quite. It's the step between Kopfspielen, which is pure, absolutely pure, and therefore very rare. By Kopfspielen, I mean by pure, it's a pure sound and musical concept produced by the human body itself. And so, since it is difficult to do, it's extremely difficult to do, although it might seem to the casual observer, and I'm really not being funny here, to the casual observer it seems very easy because all he has to do is reach up and hit his head. But that's not so. Uh, any more than uh, tap dancing, which looks so easy, is a difficult art if it's properly done. And yet it's a very human thing. And so uh, here's the intermediate step. Now, this is, a, this is a related to Kopfspielen, but not really. Uh, it is and it isn't. It's the first example of perhaps, uh, you could say, a mechanical contrivance being used in conjunction with the human body. Uh, until ultimately we arrive at instruments, uh, let's say uh, the Fender bass and so forth, which are primarily instruments that operate by themselves, really, and it takes a minimal of human involvement to make them sound. That's why so many kids can learn to play the, you know, uh, can learn to play an electronic guitar or a Fender bass in about five minutes. They got a rock group 20 minutes later. Why? Because the damn things practically play themselves. And uh, it's quite uh, primitive, really. And, uh, and, and this is why I find so much rock not only boring, but I also find that uh, uh, I get offended at it because it's really uh, very childish and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a barbarian art. However, there is a lot of great rock. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but that's rare. <laughs> and usually the great stuff is not applauded by the multitude. The bad stuff often always is. So anyway... Uh, Here's an example now of, a, of the first mechanical contrivance that's used in conjunction with the human body to produce a sound. If you'll uh, slip over and give me cut one on side one on that same 
a recording, I'll show you something else. Now, unfortunately, uh, this instrument here definitely uh, limits. The minute you start putting a, a, a contrivance between you and the music, you limit the scope of your music. <laughs> now, I'll let you think about that one for a while. Now, okay, will you please? Eins, <laughs> Now, uh, if you will, please, I'll give you another example of Kopfspielen, but this time the emphasis would be placed on athleticism rather than <laughs> rather than uh, specific musicality. How's this for a uh, pompous you-know-what? All right, eins, zwei, hit it. That's another type. Now, if you reset the first record we used, the very first one, and we will go back and recapitulate, <laughs> as we say in classroom parlance. Now, I will show you Kopfspielen at its rarefied best, uh, where it is used for a specific effect and specific musical tonality and concept. All set? Bring it up big. Okay. 
<sighs> what a silly show this was tonight. You know, I hate to I hate to parade my own specific, uh, you know, little things like that in front. So much for Shelley Berman. Well, we got a big there. Oh, for a nice young man with chutzpah, he does all right, you know, after all. You've got to admit that sometimes the true specialist becomes insufferable. <laughs> so now I'd like to hear from a composer, and we're all set. We'll work our way up into Carnegie Hall, maybe even Lincoln Center, all right? Somehow I prefer to hail to the cheap, but there's a little more, I don't know. Hang loose, gang. Think clean thoughts, and by the way, one word of advice. One word of advice. If you're out of condition, if you haven't been cough-spieling, please don't go at it too strenuously the first time. You're liable not to make it back. Listening to Gene Shepard, author, raconteur, and commentator on the contemporary scene.